Hello, and welcome to episode 1057 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, May 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, but I'm joined today by a special guest. Justin is out. I'm joined by Fangraph's own Ben Clements. Ben, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing quite well as well, to make a clunky sentence. But uh, the weekend's coming up, three-day weekend. I know it seems like you're visiting family because you said uh, you had your father helping you earlier with some tech issues that were 100% my fault. I feel bad for that. And then uh, also you and your father are going to a Savannah Bananas game this weekend. And I'm very happy for you, but also super jealous. How'd that come to pass? Um, he has some. In- he's a big baseball fan, lives near Savannah, and he's been going to their games for years and years and telling me to go and then – you know, I've, I've had now it's time, COVID, but now it's time. That's awesome. I, I, like I said, I was telling you offline, uh, a couple friends and I, we have one who lives in Charlotte and another who's Texas half the year and Oregon half the year. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to come from Oregon, get you. And we're going to Charlotte. And then we're all driving down. So we got to do it. I don't know if it'll be this summer or next, but uh, it sounds like an amazing time. For those that don't know, they can find Ben on Twitter, underscore Ben, underscore Clemens. And of course, on the front page, how many times a week? I don't know, four or five. Depends yeah, on. I mean, I, I feel like most days I can go and, and yeah, find one of your articles and, and read them. So let's go through some of them. And uh, then we're going to do something new that's going to be kind of a regular feature, too. It's called BCI, Ben Clemens Investigates. Just kind of give you the floor for a few minutes to talk about a, a topic of your choosing. Uh, this one, obviously, will be part of our guest episode. But in the future, it'll just be with the Friday episode every other week or so. We'll see how the schedule goes, but uh, let's dive in with your most recent article, a really intriguing one, and the kind of stuff that that is why I love your writing so much, even before we became friends. Uh, you did a deep dive into the Apple TV okay. Plus broadcasts, and I remember the first thing, you, when you brought it up, I was like, yeah, I hate those broadcasts because you can't rewind on them, and you're like, well, you can afterwards so at least you can do that but i hate that you cannot rewind it makes no sense during the game i i I hate it it drives me nuts but one of the things i do like is something that appealed to you as well is the probabilities that they have in the bottom right corner for all sorts of different things how likely is it they ground a double play get a hit get on base strike out home run all sorts of different things you're like how legit are those though so you wanted to test them first off before we get into the methodology and everything what you found how, did, how do you like the Apple TV broadcasts uh, apart from the inability to rewind? Yeah, I don't know if this is the most popular opinion, but I love them. I, I like the broadcast for sure. I like the like the video production, I guess I'd call it. The colors are not the same as what you know No, they're not. The they're definitely not. I feel like they're toned down slightly. Mm-hmm. The, like the, the visual kind of clutter is way less than normal. It, mm-hmm. And understated the fonts are not smaller but they're less bold the score bug looks nice the sound production i think it's really good and i kind of like like the edm hit that they play in and out of commercials like it makes me feel like i'm watching an event <laughs> i like um, that yeah it's i like the broadcast crews too like i said the two new crews they're they're doing different things and like the first couple of games people are so hard on new crews like a game or two in by the way can we give people you know multiple yeah. games to get a rhythm but i've enjoyed them but I've liked them a lot. I like Me the too. fact that I'm just not hearing the same stuff that I always That's hear. exactly it. They're bringing and, freshness. Yeah, I'm not trying to watch this game so that I can hear. You know, I don't want to pick on any particular analyst. Yeah. An analyst that I listen to 40 times a year say you know, the same stuff. I like the fact that it's like if they're going to have national announcers, I want people who are interested in baseball and like want to talk about it. And I don't know if they have missteps. It's hard. Of course. 
and that's the thing about the like the, the the grading of like the first one or two or three is like we're fine tooth comb going over everything. It's like, hey, you don't do that for the established folks. Why are you doing it for the new folks? At least let them get established and see where they're at. And you don't have to like everybody. It's not something like what I'm saying. You have to like them just because I do and you do. But give them a chance and a realistic chance. It almost yeah. seems like sometimes people are looking for reasons to not like something new. And that gets a little tiresome. So I'm with you. Like I said, outside of my rewind beef, yeah. uh, I like I like a lot about what uh, what they're doing. And, of course, the fact that it's free as well kind of gives yeah. me the the entree to uh see if you like it i like yeah. that aspect too so we'll see how it goes yeah. have you watched any peacock ones yet i watched one i <laughs> they, they use the analysts yeah <laughs> analysts from each team and i actually kind of like that too because you have people talking to each other where they each know expertise on one team or the other mm -hmm. i watched the part uh pirates cardinals one and sometimes i find jim edmonds like a little repetitive Bit. And, but breaking it up with... Oh, he just got a text. I just got a text from Jim Edmonds. No, I'm just kidding. That's one of those jokes about always getting a text. The classic. Uh, I just got from. <laughs> or he'll just text me. He's on the field, dude. Like, probably not. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, he's like, he's... I don't, I don't hate him, but like, I, I don't love him. I think him. breaking up the, uh, the announcing crews, but having one person with expertise on each team works really well. Mm -hmm. I noticed that like sometimes that's Apple's downfall is that they have like, you know, Atlanta guy the Braves versus somebody else game. And well, then I'm only hearing about the Braves and it feels yeah. kind of like the Braves against the other team. That's the one thing I think they've done not well from the broadcast booth. I want to add, I think Steven Nelson is going to be a star. He is I agree. really good at that. I really, I, mean, I really like him. He's had some booths where it's like, they're getting used to each other, the, uh, the analysts, and he's kind of doing play by play. And he really stitches it together in a way that looks really hard to me. I have to echo that sentiment. I, I quite like him. Uh, all right. Well, let's go a little bit further here on Apple TV and talk a bit about your article. I, I encourage everyone to go read it. So we're not going to get into everything. I'm not going to make you give away all the results. But what led you to testing the probabilities? Just you see stuff like that and you're like, I, I want to know how yeah. legit that is. Mm -hmm. I, I need to investigate. How many baseball games have we watched in our lives? Thousands and thousands, right? Yeah. And you kind of have a little thing in your head that's saying like, oh, like, crap it's zero and two like he's not getting a hit here or like mm -hmm. well, he might but i like i don't really think he's going to or like oh he's up 2-0 like he's gonna get something to drive and like that's just in my brain and i don't know if it's right i have no calibration like i no one's fact checking me and so they started putting up probabilities on screen and i was like amazing like great i want to know like if i'm right and like these are telling me Mm -hmm. so I was being wrong. Like my guess for probabilities was wrong a lot at first. And I was like, oh, that's man, that doesn't speak very well to me. And then I thought <laughs> I should like just test these because like either I'll learn something new and like, wow, I've been really like underestimating how much I should care about the hitter and the pitcher or like some little situations I haven't been thinking about, or I'll learn like, oh, these aren't as good as I thought. And so basically I thought I would go write down the probabilities from two or three games. And then I talked to Ben Lindbergh about it. And he was like, actually, some of my like effectively wild listeners have already been doing this because they're curious about him too. I love it. And so we just organized enough people. I think I did four games and Ben did a few and a few of his listeners did a few. And we got 12 games all told. Mm -hmm. Just watch the game. Before every pitch, if there's a probability on screen, write it down. And just do that. Like, just do that for all the pitches. 
and and even if you had just done the four games, that's a good sample because it is every pitch. So the fact that yeah. you were able to get 12 and it is such an effectively wild thing, like what a wheelhouse uh, uh, task for somebody who listens to effectively wild to help out with that. So that's awesome. So that really helped with the data collection. Uh, so then how did you test them? Once you got the data, how did you test to see yeah, how so legitimate like, they were? So I'm not like a stat guy. Like mm-hmm. I understand baseball stats and yeah. I'm pretty good at like building simple things, but I'm not a big data, like I don't understand how machine learning works in the broader sense. And it's a very complicated machine learning model that's making these predictions. So I just said, I'm gonna make a really dumb model. I'm just gonna like take what happens after that count to all hitters in baseball. Like just the, the simplest possible model. Like if you could imagine a casino putting up my model, they would get destroyed. <laughs> exactly, then no they, edge. <laughs> they have like a very negative edge because if Mike Trout's up, my model will be will not know who he is because it, yeah. it only looks at the count. Because it compares and everybody that is not a Mike Trout counter. Like doing walk probabilities, I'm going to be way off. Mm-hmm. All the bases are loaded and we're doing walk probabilities. I'm going to be way off. Like These things all really matter. And you, if you and I were watching the game, we'd be like, Ben, your model is so dumb. Like, why? But that was the point. Like, the idea is, hey, I'm going to build this, like, baseline, you know, beat the crap out of this. It's easy to. Mm-hmm. And then I just had them gamble against each other. So every pitch, I set the market, you know, I cut, you choose. And mm-hmm. so if I think, if the baseline model thinks there's a 35% chance of getting on base in this count, and the and venue, that's the company that provides Apple's uh, model, if they think that there's a 25% chance, they bet don't reach. And if I think there's a 35% chance and they think it's a 40, they bet reach. Okay. And we just bet on every pitch. And so first... I had my model set the lines for every pitch and they bet. And then I had their model set the lines and I bet. So you can see how they do gambling against each other. If you had to make this a sports book or just if like any probability is just an implied bet, right? Yeah. It's 30% likely to happen. You can say you get seven. If it happens, you lose three. If it doesn't, bam, that's a, that's the fair odds. And I just recorded them all and gambled against each other. So I couldn't do all the probabilities they have. Like I couldn't do, RBI chances or grounded to double play chances because you can't do them with one factor. You can't just say count. And so I thought, eh, I just won't test those. Like, I don't know. They could be good. They could be bad. I have no clue. And I also don't know how to think about those in my head. So I don't. Exactly. Like, I don't think those are the most important, especially the ground in the double play one. I like when they put it. but RBI is useful, but but I don't have a good, like, mental heuristic for it. And I couldn't make an easy test. Mm -hmm. And I want my test to be simple and, like, repeatable. All it was was like, if we looked on April 15th, I would take all the data through April 14th and just say, that's what happens in that count. If okay. we look on April 22nd, I take everything through April 21st. And yeah, they got crushed by the baseline model. It was just not close. Like when they gambled against the baseline model in 2015. They, they meaning the Apple model? Uh, the Apple odds. When the Apple okay. odds got the bet against my naive odds, they lost like on net. And oh, that, wow. That's bad. Like. <laughs> I have to pretend like I don't know the answer because I did read the article. But, uh, yeah, but that's, that's I, I'll, I'll peel back the curtain. I'm pretending like I, these is all new information to me, but it's a great article. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I highly suggest you read it. I think the methodology was neat. And I think mm-hmm. learning things like, hey, if I want to build a complicated model, I should test it against something dumb. And if I can't beat the dumb thing, let's go back and tweak some things. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know that you're not. F- 
as far down the road as you thought. So yeah. uh, again, excellent piece. I love stuff like that. I don't have the capability to do it. So the fact that you did and you had help, cause I'm not even at your level of, I can like distill baseball stats. Like that's how I'm a stat guy, but I'm not a, I'm not a zips. I can create zips. I couldn't even oh, do yeah. what you did, but I love looking at it and reading that sort of stuff and interpreting yeah. uh, the data that way. So excellent article. I think it might still be on the front page. If anyone listens to this on Friday or Saturday, uh, probably will be, but, it will still be very findable otherwise. Yeah. And I'll have and a link if, in the description. If you are listening and want and think like, oh, I actually don't like Ben's idea. I think I could do it better. All the data's up. Like, yeah, it's all you can find all of it. Live. It's shared. Take it from me. Please do. Like, I want more stuff to be done about this. It's really cool. And to their credit, like, the model's not good. You, you shouldn't use it. But there's some cool stuff in it. Like, they do do some neat things where they had, they show like a huge home run probability when a lefty is facing a homer prone righty in, um, in Houston. And I was like, Oh, that's neat. Like, like there's useful kernels of stuff in there. And mm -hmm. like, it's not like, it's not, it's got some garbage in garbage out issues where it's overfitting. I think I, the example I used and sorry, again, I'm giving away my article. No one's going to go read it. Is no, uh, I'll still read it. You know when you see those junk stats on broadcasts and like it's just overly specific and he's so what, 92 qualifiers about when it's yeah. 92 degrees on a Tuesday. Yeah. Right. And like you and I and everyone watching it goes like, oh, that's neat. But like, I don't actually think it matters for this that bad. Mm -hmm. And if you were having a person check all their inputs and stuff, I think the person would be like, I don't know about this. But machine learning is kind of opaque. That's kind of the idea. You use like a ton of data and run it through a ton of simulations and often using something called a random forest where it's generating a lot of stuff and testing against each other. And, and so like you can miss these overfitting things in the details if you're not careful. And I don't know how to be careful. I couldn't build the model. Exactly. <laughs> that was really hard. People go to grad school to do this stuff. Well, and I think that's one of my favorite things about the baseball stat community is like, I wouldn't even be surprised if somebody either listening to this or from effectively wilds listener base took your data, expounded on it because they have that next, uh, that next level data capability where they can run it through different things. And they're like, Hey, I tweaked your model and look at this. Now it's, now it's 10 X better than the Apple one. So that's another thing I love about it is articles like yours are a jump off for people to continue thinking about these sorts of things and so. refine them. So absolutely read it, everybody. If that appeals to you and stuff like that, uh, it really uh, interests yeah. you. You will enjoy the article. And watch the Apple broadcasts. We both think they're yeah, good. Check them out. Check them out because uh, they do have a lot of positives, even without the rewind button. Uh, ben, what is your exposure to fantasy baseball this year? I'm unfamiliar with how many leagues, if any, you play this year. I where, where you this year. Um, I got screwed up by the lockout. Yeah. Like, just had so much work to do for the site when we were mm -hmm. getting into it. So I'm in one auto new league. Okay. I'm getting my butt kicked. Um, Uh-oh. I'm in the- uh, Is it the rebuild time? Hmm? Pardon me. I was taking a drink. Is it rebuild time then? I think I have a, I think my team's good. Um, okay. I don't, I don't feel bad about its chances. Uh, it, I was rebuilding last year. Okay. And so I kind of stocked up. I have Grayson Rodriguez. Love that. Let's go. Pretty Let's cheap. I have Nolan Gorman for pretty cheap. I've got some like good young players. And I feel like I've got some value. I really dropped the ball in the first week of the season on like basically adds and drops and ended up just in a just really crappy outfield situation. Basically, where I have a lot less positional flexibility than I want. Ah, dang. Uh, also, there. got some just like bad injury luck, but everyone does. That's yeah, uh, and that's just roll the dice every year. You can have the best laid plans, and then injuries can easily muck it up. And I always think about that. And you're a big OOT player. 
OOTP player, which we'll get into later too. And I think about like when I'm running a franchise and I get like five, six injuries, how enraged I get. And then I'm like, think about that in real life. Yeah. Think about like what Farhan Zaidi or Andrew Friedman or, you know, Alavila, what, what happens, how they feel when there's five, six real life injuries that they have yeah. to deal with. I'm like, if it pisses me off this much for my video game, that does not matter. I cannot even fathom how yeah. uh, rough it would be as a real GM. So yeah, yeah I hear you. And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. I'm probably going to miss some time with him. And then the second he goes in the aisle, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I got oh yeah. We always do that too at the draft table. Oh, there'll be some IL time, but then the second, that they go on. I'm like, I can't believe this happened. I planned for it, but I can't believe this happened. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally, uh, I totally feel you on that. Do you play any DFS, any any uh, DraftKings or anything like that? Um, I haven't this year. I did a little bit last year. It feels hard. <laughs> it is hard, especially on like a one-off day. I always talk about how like I like to play it, and I play. I do. I do a few games for like the community, and I probably yeah. do like three or four of those games a week, and then a couple other days on my own. So I probably play between three and five days in a week. And that's not nearly enough to like be consistently good. You have to really want, if you really want to win and be great, you have to do it all the time. You have to do high volume. And I don't have the time or frankly money for that. So I play my couple of times a week. And if I, if I do well, I feel great about it, but I go in, that's a hundred dollars of discretionary budget. That is, that is for activity. That's a smart way to do it. Like, yeah. Like I'm not worried about losing. Right. I played a lot of poker in college and Same. like at some points, like somewhat seriously, like, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't do it recreationally. Like you would want to put in a lot of time and like really work on honing your craft. And if you're just sitting there like clicking the buttons and I like this guy and I like this hand and like, I like this spot or whatever that you don't really have edge. And the rake is meaningful in those. I feel like exactly. I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to get good at it, I think I would do what you're saying. Like do it a lot more than three times a week, which is what I was doing last year. And you know, it's fun. It is fun with a little bit of discretionary money. Like you said, it's fun when you hit it. The, the goal for me is to try to not have to redeposit at any point during the year. Put in my Hundo, Hundo 50 at the beginning of the year and get to the finish line. And if I did with anything left, that's a huge dub. And if I made it to the finish line and I have $4 left, okay. I mean, like, that's fine. Uh, if I'm up, that's great too. I've had a couple of years where I'm up. So, you know, it, it, it's all fine there. Uh, but if you ever want to get in our, our DraftKings $5 Sandlot leagues, yeah. feel free. That's uh, like about deal like risk those are the ones that kind of yeah to kind of come in there's like 30 40 players you got a chance to win i try to give uh, a lot of prize spots to pay so you can finish you know 10th and still get a few bucks back uh but let's talk about some of your recent articles and you got a little bit of a yankee lean lately um i don't know you to be a yankees fan but you have written about some intriguing guys including clay holmes who is very fantasy relevant right now because big fan he's frankly yeah, he's the closer right now with Chapman out. And frankly, he was fantasy relevant before that because he was doing so much as a middle reliever with the ratios and yeah. the sporadic wins and the occasional save that he was uh, useful. But now Clay Holmes as the closer everywhere got to be rostered. Yeah. First question, and this is probably the most serious one. Did he simply steal Jonathan Loisaga's ability? Because Loisaga sucks this year. <laughs> I wanted to write about Loisaga because I was like, what, what happened here? Like he's booty. I don't get it. I, I got nothing. Like this article came about because I was going to write about him. And then I was like, like pass. I don't know. I, I Michael King and Clay Holmes have absorbed his skill. Yeah. I mean, Michael King, I think just, I wrote about him actually like a month ago, maybe. I think he just learned two new pitches and they're both mm-hmm. good. And yeah. that's great. He was like a, a good prospect before. And then he learned two new pitches that are his best pitches. 
He's been so good, and he's so yeah. good in that middle role too, with multiple innings that yeah. we've seen really emerge this year. Aaron Ashby, who's now in the rotation, but he was there. Spencer Strider, Garrett Whitlock's bounce back and forth. Tanner Houck. I mean, we're just seeing more and more guys in that role. And uh, I think Michael King is one of the best right now. And I don't think he really is going to be starting at any point and they don't really need him to yeah. Let's get back to Holmes. What has changed? Why is he so good? Cause he doesn't have like one of these eye popping strikeout rates. It's, it's solid at 26%, but we're seeing guys put up like 35s, 40s. So he's been good from that pre- perspective, but not huge. What's driving the Clay Holmes success train right now. This is going to be like, once I explain it, you're going to be like, that sounds really obvious. He, Sometimes he has a really good sinker, right? He, has, he gets really good what? I'm sorry? He's a really good sinker. He's okay. always had a really good sinker. He's had a good sinker as long as he's been a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And last year, the Yankees tweaked it a little bit and basically told him, like, fill the zone with it. And they helped him mechanically a little bit. It added a tiny bit of run. But you've, you've seen the pitch. Like, it, it breaks like crazy. It's disgusting. And he didn't locate it that well last year. He was actually – he located it pretty high. And, you know, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> no, not with the sinker. And it just didn't matter. Like, it dips and it runs so much that people were still getting on top of it and hitting ground balls. So he was, I think, only 20% of pitchers threw their sinker higher on average than him. And only 20% of pitchers got more ground balls than him. Wow. With their like, what? He That's crazy. Terrible location, great results. <laughs> That's a crazy combo. It really is. And so this year... Only, I think, 15% of pitchers throw their sinker lower. He just started throwing it lower. And the Yankees wow. worked with him on getting the lower target. And now he has the highest ground ball rate in baseball by infinite. Um, and that's why he doesn't have uh, a lot of Ks either. So it's like, you'd love the Ks from a fantasy perspective, but you don't need them. I do not want people to look at the 9.1 K9 or the 26% K rate and think that that makes Clay Holmes fr- yeah. uh, fragile. Like what His success is not living on a wire yeah. here. He so, doesn't have the traditional dominance, but the sinker dominance is amazing. And I think his slider keeps his strikeouts high. And I think he has strikeout upside. I think so too. If they tell him like, we want you to strike out more people, like use your slider more, or if he gets more comfortable commanding it, because his big issue has always been walks and he just doesn't have any this year. Mm -hmm. So you're actually getting pretty good, like ratio stuff there where he doesn't walk anybody. It's great. So he, he used to be a whip disaster. Big time. (laughs) Yeah. Clay Holmes was like, Again, with that, with with the inability to put the sinker where he wanted and the slider just not a chance of going where he wanted. He walked everyone. He showed those flashes, and then last year took a step, and then this year took like five steps yeah. forward. And so now he throws eighty percent sinkers because why not? Mm-hmm. And he just kind of aims in the middle of the zone, but they move enough that he's not actually leaving the ball fat middle middle that much. And I mean, I just it's not fake. Like he just has a great pitch, and the Yankees told him just throw this pitch a bunch. And like they tweaked his secondary grip to where his slider is looking a lot better now too. I I don't see why they wouldn't keep him as the closer. Chapman looks kind of broken to me. Honestly, he, he looks like trash. And that was my next question: was Do you think that Clay Holmes can hold this role even when Chapman returns? Because here's the thing: I think it was like ten or twelve innings off rip that Chapman had that were scoreless. So it yeah. kind of hid the fact that he wasn't doing well, and people were panicking about him. And I'd always hear pushback either in like Twitter threads or even when I was saying like, "But he has a zero ERA." I'm like, I understand. He's a twenty five percent K rate. Do you know how lame that is for a role this Chapman to only have twenty five? percent k rate like i'm not even being sarcastic like that is not good for him that is a huge dip and he just does not look right this year so i i wonder for their best chances is it to leave holmes in the uh, closers role i think at very least they might do some like matchup stuff where 
if they have a bunch of lefties coming up, yeah, use Chapman as the closer. Sure. He's really hard hit for lefties. But one of the big problems with him is people gear up for his fastball. And so he throws like probably like a B minus slider, right? Like mm-hmm. fine. But if you're looking for 102, it's a lot harder to like gear down and hit that. And the results don't necessarily show up in his fastball, but his slider just fooled people. Like people took just sliders down the middle a lot against him. And they yeah, because they were on they were on heat with Chapman and they, they the didn't... fastball and like I'm just gonna sit on it and sit on it and sit on it. And if they did that and swung, fine. But they were basically just guessing on his slider. And now that he's throwing 97, it's a little bit easier to, like, say, I'll react to the fastball and, like, maybe foul it off. And I'll just, like, look slider because he needs to throw that or his splitter. Splitter's good. Splitter's a good pitch. I like that splitter. It's pretty new, too, and it's been pretty solid. I think you highlight a great point, too, with Chapman um, and other guys that throw that hard is that when they dip down to 97, we think, well, 97, that's still good. But it's, it's a four or five mile an hour dip from yeah. where they normally sit, that is markedly different. By the way, I am looking down at my phone because I'm using that as my browser because as I explained to you earlier, I've had some some weird uh, sound issues. I don't want you to think I'm ignoring you. Okay. I am on my phone, but it is to use my browser. But yeah, he's down to 97 this year. That's 1.4 miles off of last year. And the, I gave him too much of a good strikeout rate. He's at 23% yeah. down from 40% last year. And then uh, 50% in the pandemic season, which yeah, of course like was a can't tiny sample. Learn how to work with this, but the but way he needs to learn doesn't work that well when your fastball is more foul offable. Exactly. Kind Stay of alive that way. And I, if I'm the Yankees, like, like his results, it's not like he's got these great results and under the hood it's not good. He's got so so results and under the hood it's not good at all. So if I'm them, like, why am I getting off homes? Like, exactly, because now the uh, the ERA has come back to the pack to where it quote unquote belongs, three eighty six, and the WHIP is one sixty four. Yeah, uh, like that is that is particularly rough for. I'm the Yankees. So. I'm just like I'm happy running with Holmes, and if Chapman comes back and his first ten innings are just perfect and he's striking out, if he's throwing hundred again, you know all bets are off. Like if he was exactly, actually, but I don't know. It's like they're not dumb, and the Clay Holmes results aren't fake, and exactly. I think yeah. they'll see that. And I, here's the thing, regardless, if you have Clay Holmes right now, when Chapman comes back, do not cut him. Yeah. Let's just see what happens and just take the good ratios, the occasional win, and then just see what happens. Cause there's a good chance that Clay Holmes holds that role. Let's talk more Yankees go to the hitting side uh, before hitting the IL, which just recently happened with Giancarlo Stanton. He was raking and you had an article about the approach against him. Uh, what did you find and how had Stanton adjusted to this uh, weird new approach? Yeah, it's, um, I feel like people just don't like pitchers are terrified of John Carlos Stanton and they pitch him in a way that I don't think actually makes that much sense because he's just like an object of fear. Like you don't want to have John Carlos Stanton in the box again. God, no. And when you look at him, like standing away from the plate, like standing, like not too far away from the plate with that big closed stance, you just think like, Oh God, like this is, this is, just terrifying. It has to be so scary to face him. Like and legitimately if I, scary. And if I leave something like away to him, he is just going to, with that stance, he's just going to hit it straight back up the middle at me and I'm going to die. Like exactly. I'm going to be 130 miles an hour and I better be ducking. Like, so if you look at his pull rate on balls away, it's, it's zero basically. It's almost the lowest in baseball. It's bottom five with a bunch of guys that you think of as slappers. <laughs> and like DJ LeMahieu is lower than him, but DJ, that makes sense. His whole yeah. plan is to drive the ball the other way. 
And so with Stanton, though, that's kind of good. Like, he doesn't have great – he has good results on uh, pitches that he takes the other way, but they're not otherworldly. Like, they're top, I don't know, 30, 40 in baseball in terms of, like, Woba and balls in play. And he also whiffs a lot on them. But if you come inside against Stanton and he gets a hold of the ball, it leaves the park. Like It's, it's over. It's the best over. results. Yeah. And he doesn't swing and miss too much on those. Like, you know, it's not zero, but it's kind of league average, whereas he whiffs a lot on pitches away, largely because pitchers are pretty good. It's like righties throwing and breaking balls away. Siders like, running away, stuff like that. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, in righty-righty stuff, like, anything away is usually soft. Yes. And it's, like, hard in, soft away. But pitchers just don't do the soft away that much to him because they're afraid that if they hang it, or they certainly never throw him fastballs away. Mm-mm. But he's better, I think, on stuff in than away because he's just so strong, so fast. And when he hits that, like when he taps into his pull power, it's just over. Like his oppo power is great too, but he's better pulling like everyone else. Yeah, his pull power is literally top of the scale. Like Yeah, and he know. can afford to have that close stance and still pull the ball. Mm-hmm. A problem for him. He's so strong. And basically, like, I don't think this is going to change. I think that this is a thing where pitchers are pitching him somewhat irrationally if you look at his data. He's much better in terms of like run value added on inside pitches. And yet he gets pitched inside like the third most in baseball. Wow. But I don't think that's going to change. Like, I think it's just self preservation. It's like it's self preservation. And it's, I could tell the pitcher, like, here's the data. If you throw the ball away to him on average, it's going to work out better for you. And they'd be like, yeah, but like, no, like maybe I'll throw him some sliders in the dirt if I get ahead in the count, but I'm what not. About what about the 5%? What about the 5% chance that he bet? Right. I'm not back in the middle. Like fastballs away. Look at that guy's stance at the plate. Look how big he is. Like, that's the kind of thing that people put back up the middle. Like, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's like you get it, but you, when you see the data so clear, you're like, maybe you should try yeah. it. But he's killing again. I, I think he's somewhat underappreciated at this point, Giancarlo Stanton, because you know we know him for all the injuries, and I get that, right? That's part of his his profile, 100%, especially recently um, after the back-to-back big seasons, 159, 158 games. He went 18 in 2019, only 23 of the pandemic season, 139 last year, and then he's hurt again right now. But you cannot – gloss over the fact of how elite he is when he does play. And I think that should still be appreciated, even acknowledging that, hey, he does get hurt a lot yeah. uh, for yeah. Stanton. So. And to be honest, I think his approach is genius. He's basically daring pitchers to pitch him inside. Exactly. He, he's like, look at this stupid closed stance I'm going to have. Like, Maybe I can't he, hit that. Yeah, I dare you to throw you, it. You better come inside. Like, <laughs> setting up a way. Because he's so good inside. And they just take the bait. And I understand why they do. But I think it's very smart by him. It all works out really well. And yeah, I agree. He's really underappreciated. I'm waiting for the pitcher who reads your article. And then when Eno's interviewing them, they say, I actually read a Fangraphs article from Roger Clemens's kid. And then Eno will be like, that's not Roger Clemens's kid. It's actually yeah. Mark Twain's kid. Um, but anyway, that article is also linked in the description. Go ahead and check that one out. Let's move over to the National League. Another hitter, Jess Chisholm, was just elevated to diamond status in MLB The Show. They kind of have uh, card ratings Uh common which is the lowest tier bronze silver gold diamond he just moved up to the highest level diamond because he has a blistering 156 wrc plus this year you wrote him up back on may 12th and he has not really slowed down since then have you found any substantive changes that are fueling this surge for jazz chisholm uh, because the breakout people were expecting uh, 
I wasn't, by the way. I got him wrong so far. I was fading him because of the volatility of that profile, but he's yeah. been awesome. What did you find with uh, Jazz Chisholm? So if you want a simple rule for whether Jazz Chisholm is going to be good, it's easy. If he's putting the ball in the air, he's good. If he's not, he's bad. It's, oh, okay. Like you really only need that one rule. He, is, he has like a lot of power, which really shocks me. He doesn't, he's not huge. He's not huge, but he has just a really powerful swing, essentially. And when he connects, like he has, you know, top 15% exit velocity, like max exit velo. He hits the ball hard a lot. He has really high hard hit rates. And he swings and misses some, fine. But he gets to so much power. And so basically, when he's putting that power in the air, it's great. And when he's not, the swing and miss kind of evaporates any gains he gets from hitting hard ground balls because it's just not enough juice, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't, doesn't work. And last year, he was mostly, mostly okay at putting the ball in the air. But he went through like several slumps where he just couldn't put the ball in the air. And if you look at the aggregate, his net ground ball rate on the year, or ground ball to fly ball ratio is probably my favorite way of looking at this because line drives are pretty volatile. It was 1.6. 1.6 ground balls for every fly ball. In the minors, he'd never been above one since rookie ball. Like, he elevates. That's what he does. He, and he was hitting just a crap ton of ground balls last year. And I thought, like, oh, maybe he was swinging at the wrong pitches. No, he's just putting everything more in the air this year. And when you go back and look at what happened, he was mostly okay. And then he had two really bad ground ball slumps. So I went back and watched the tape of all of them. And he looked mechanically different. I'm not a hitting coach. I can't actually figure this stuff out. He looked lost. He was like really twitchy and his hands were really high. And I find that people with really high hands tend to be like slappier, like low power hitters in general. Like Craig Council? Yeah. That's like a like kind of a classic stance. And I don't know actually know if that's what it was, but you could tell that he changed from like calm to twitchy to calm to twitchy throughout the year. And I don't know if it's like what's causing that, whether he was slumping and so he did it, or whether he tried it because his results weren't quite what he wanted. Do you think but, it was related to the injury? Because he had that kind of stark split where Jazz Chisholm was excellent in April, had yeah. the injury, came back from May forward, he sputtered a bit. Do you think it was possibly related to that? That He also had like, when he got into the end of August, it got really bad again. And that could just be like, this is the longest season he's played as a pro. Mm -hmm. Like, There's plenty of things you could point to. But this year, he's... Like he's just swinging it a little bit at like better pitches slightly, but only slightly. Really what's happening is that he's just elevating more stuff. And so pitchers don't really have an obvious counter. Like he's going to strike out. I think his strikeout rate's going up from there. It's at 23 and a half percent. I think it's going higher. Like mm -hmm. he's swinging miss in this game, but that's fine as long as he's putting the ball in the air. And now that he is like, yeah, he's not going to keep, Hitting, oh, he's slugging 581 right now. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> that is bananas. But he, he hits the crap out of the ball. Like, he hits the ball so hard. And as long as he's keeping it in the air somewhat, I mean, he won't keep batting 290. He'll bat like 275, 270, maybe even lower. That's but, basically 300 in today's game, though. Right. And he's walking enough to make that work. And he just, like, he hits for so much power. I I am bought in that he's going to continue to be, like, kind of the power hitting second baseman that you thought you couldn't really get at the like level that you were getting jazz at. I think he's going to keep hitting for power all year. I love that. And honestly, this is one of those where I'm glad when I'm wrong on these guys, because they're so exciting and fun. I just, you know, go off the volatility of the profile, 29% K rate, 7% walk rate last year. Um, I'd understand the speed was there, but I was like, is 
for me, what I thought was maybe he was going to have another kind of eh year and then maybe take off next year. So I wasn't really drafting Jazz at his price. But now that price, if he keeps up this season, obviously it's going to go yeah. way up. Credit to James Anderson over at Rotowire. He was very big on Jazz. And even with a bunch of Jazz detractors, uh, he continued to say, nope, that's my guy. I'm going yeah. for him. So uh, that paid major dividends. I'm, that's yeah, paying major dividends for him. Really wrong on him this year. I just thought, me like, too. I don't know, like, you see a lot of these guys that, like, they have their one trick they do. And then when they stop doing it, it doesn't really work. Yep. And I don't think he was that. I was wrong. Nope. I think we were just both wrong. It's early, but I'm still going to go ahead and take the L on that just because he looks different. And, you know, he also retweeted me when I uh, posted one of his, <laughs> one of his home, one of his home hard hits that he thought was going to go out. And I was like, I thought jazz had this. He goes, you and me effing both. And I was cracking up because he's not shy on, on Twitter. Did you see the one when he did the, uh, when he did the Euro step? after yeah. one of his homers and then someone said drill him uh like that was one of the replies to the tweet and then he replied drill yo mama and it was just like yeah it's a cheap mom joke but it's really funny to say drill yo mama as a professional player some twitter douche i really right. like people uh let themselves go a little wild me too i like i like learning that you know they're humans i understand that inherently but i like learning that or seeing that side of them too i mentioned otp uh, already out of the park baseball 23 version is out uh by the way they got a little unlucky of when they started the game because their numbered is uh, off the iteration not the year it could have been perfect if they had maybe come out just a year later uh because then their their number would match the year that it is because everyone's like well why is it otp 23 it's yeah. because it's the 23rd iteration but anyway do you have it yet i do okay have you played any perfect team how's the perfect team coming along yeah, I'm doing pretty well in perfect team. I've been kind of giving up on trying to win the league this year. Okay. So hard. Like the good it's teams are so difficult. good. And looked a little bit more at drafts and tournaments. Not like the high-end tournaments, but like silver tournaments. Bronze. That's my wheelhouse. Silver, bronze, iron tournaments, baby. That's where I live. And perfect lower, lower level stuff. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, the drafts, I think the increased variety of them this year has been a huge plus. They got some mm -hmm. where you can two cards in the early rounds they have some where it's all historical players all live players they change them up a lot now i love it we need yeah. to do another draft by the way on stream we will get we will get that set up yeah. uh, have you started any yeah. franchises so i haven't because i'm still playing a um an online simulated league oh it's, so did you guys port that over to 23 it's coming over at the end of this season excellent excellent it, okay it was mid-season um when uh, when 23 came out and we didn't want to How's your port season How's your team been doing over there? What, what's been going on? Good. Um, I was trying to rebuild still, and I accidentally started competing a year early. So it's <laughs> we like, accidentally got good. It's the trade deadline, and I'm 500 and like kind of fighting for the last wildcard spot, which I did not expect. Um, but building towards the future, out of the park, like particularly a, like an online mode where everyone's being a tryhard, but just the franchise mode in general is really fun. It's and so great. It, it keeps getting better too. I mean, even playing solo is amazing. But have, I wish I would is an online league because that's really. I am in a fictional online league, but I don't know anybody in that one, so I, I enjoy it. They're very nice. The bull league, um, they're they're great. But I don't know anyone in that, so it's not the same camaraderie. But you being in one with a bunch of people that you know, that's got to be yeah. amazingly fun. Um, Craig Goldstein, the uh, the BP managing editor, is in it, mm -hmm. and he's like pretty chatty in it, and it's great. Because he's the Nats, that. and I'm really uh, taking it to him this year. <laughs> Are you the Brewers? Um, in that one, I'm the Phillies. You're the Phillies. Okay, that makes sense that you said you're taking two of them because you're in the same division he's there. He's been the crap out of me for years and years, and so it feels good to uh You still have Harper? No. Um, 
So the first year of this league, there were some crazy trades. Like okay, like that was during the pandemic. This this was born of the pandemic, right? I was not in it early. Okay, and I mean, crazy trades like the Braves made the World Series, but they didn't have Ronald Acuna, but they did have (laughs) Will Smith and Gavin Lux, and it was like okay. But also, I think they had Otani. It was what were shuffled. (laughs) That's crazy. Past the point of recognizability. Um, and it's now, but it was, I think early in the pandemic, everyone just poured their maximum energy into it and it got Mm -hmm. like wild. But now, um, now things have settled down a little into like teams are actually trying to rebuild and like play in somewhat reasonable ways. Someone buys out the international free agent market every year. That's, that's kind of unreal. Spends like $50 million in bonuses and then goes into the, goes into the penalty box for a few years and then just yeah gets gets some big haul and then and then yeah. goes ahead and says you kind of have to figure out who has the money to uh buy it out and try to dodge them but that's that's wild that's a lot of fun uh, i'm doing a marlins franchise that i've been posting on youtube and it's been it's been a ton of fun I, I love it. yeah um, i i highly recommend out of the park baseball if you like if you like baseball at all especially like the management of it it's not it's not on the sticks game like mlb the show it's management you can be the gm you can be the manager team building with the perfect team stuff there's so many different ways to play it too that's my favorite thing about it you can play it so many different ways the perfect team leaderboard thing it's kind of cool. i can't wait i can't wait they're starting I mean, that it's, uh it's very basically soon basically going to give real like real prizes and entry into fancier tournaments with better stuff better stuff as rewards to people who perform well in like showcase tournaments sounds which great. i i think is awesome so we will do an otp stream very soon uh, uh on twitch and we'll do a perfect draft again now it's time for the debut of, of Ben Clemens investigates. It basically this is just I saw you. Where, where did I see that? See you suggest that I can't remember exactly well, where on Twitter. I think yeah, I was on like Twitter and I was like, that's a great idea. I wonder if you would want to do that for the pod uh, with some consistency. So basically, um, I'm just giving yeah. you the floor, and it's just kind of a some some topic that you want with a fantasy spin to it, and it's a free for all. So let's start the initial uh, episode of Ben Clemens investigates. Take it away, Ben. Sure. So. This is going to be kind of on the fringes of fantasy playability, but one of my favorite players for a long time has been Kyle Hendricks. And I feel like he's kind of frequently underdrafted, kind of at his peak. He was just always like, he didn't give you great strikeouts, but his ratio stuff was all incredible. He won a bunch of games. He ate innings, but like in a way where he ate innings with a three ERA. And like, if you needed ERA, he was just there for low cost. And I was always like, I was always rooting for him because how the hell does he do it? And so then he started not being good. And that's no fun, basically. And I want to keep having Kyle Hendricks on my fantasy teams, like as a streaming pitcher. So when his price went from like, you know, on like too low to like he's just free, I was like, great. Like, I bet you everything's fine. Like, he's the kind of guy who can have a bad ERA for a little bit. And it's just because he had some hard hit balls. Like, he relies a lot on balls in play. And so I was ready to come onto the segment and tell you, Paul, Kyle Hendricks is perfectly fine. <laughs> Calm down, start streaming him. See if you can like get, like just get this free ERA out of him. Yeah. Cause he was available on the wire. Yeah. And you, you can't, um, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you can. So the thing that Kyle Hendricks does, his superpower better than anyone else in baseball is he puts the ball in places where it's a strike, but you can't do much with it. You know, he does it with his fastball. He does it with his changeup, and kind of the fringes of the zone, but in the zone, it's so good if you're a pitcher to put it there. I ran the numbers, and essentially, the average pitcher in baseball putting the ball like 
on the fringes of the zone, but in the strike zone, they're Jacob DeGrom. That's that's their results. Their hundred wow. pitches. Wow. That's that's the average pitcher, you know, with like average stuff. And most of their pitches don't go there, right? Like most of them go in worse places. They either miss the zone by a lot or they're middle middle. But if you're like painting corners, you're unhittable. Like that, that's kind of like pragmatics. Pragmatics, but it's kind of common sense, right? Sure. When someone, when your like average middle reliever has a day where he's hitting the corners, you're like, great, like, cool. Can't be touched for two innings, you know. And that was just Kyle Hendricks all the time. And it's no longer. He's lost, like, he's gone from a standard deviation and a half, maybe two standard deviations above league average at that, to below average. He's, and it's particularly with his fastball. He used to just dot corners with his fastball. And now it's either leaking over the middle more, it's missing. His middle middle rate hasn't gone up, but he's starting to miss more. And that's really changed his behavior with the fastball. He used to throw it really liberally. He'd throw it when he was ahead in the count. He'd throw it when he was behind in the count. He throws a sinker and a four-seamer, and so batters just couldn't key off of it. And he didn't mind throwing it on 0-2 and, like, painting a corner. And so it, it put batters in a really tough place. But now that he's giving up a lot more, like, easy takes or easy swings, he's not willing to do it. And that's smart. Like, if you're throwing an 87-mile-an-hour fastball and you can't paint the corners, you shouldn't use it so much, particularly when you're ahead in the count. That's just a really bad plan. And so he stopped, which is, again, like, that's what you should do. If you don't have the kind of Kyle Hendricks control, then don't throw your fastball when you have 0-2 counts. Mm-hmm. And so he started going to his changeup a lot more, which is a good pitch, and has a higher swinging strike rate this year than it has before. That sounds great. So why, isn't, why aren't things working? Well, Kyle Hendricks' changeup is not really a swing and miss pitch. And when he's throwing it, like, out of the zone, batters don't swing too much. Mm-hmm. When he throws it in the zone, he's actually getting his fair share of swing and misses. But what he wants with that pitch is soft contact. Like, that's how he wins. He gets up on, it's a 1-1 count, and he throws a changeup, and you're sitting fastball, and you swing, and you hit it into the ground. Yep. Like that, that's Kyle Hendricks' game. It's an 0-1 count, and you're like, I really can't get down 0-2 to this guy because he commands so well. So I'm going to come in and swing at anything in the zone. And it's a changeup that's going to clip the corner, and you roll over on it. Like, he does that better than anyone else. And when his game does not have this, like, I don't know what I'm sitting on. Like, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to swing defensively and I'll be able to put the ball in play because he can't throw it past me. Um, Alex Chamberlain looked into this a bunch, I think before 2021, maybe, in terms of his ability to suppress contact with his changeup. Because the sabermetric orthodoxy is you can't really suppress exit velocity. Yeah. Oh, this man. And, like, and um, had for like seven years. years and years and years. And he still is a little bit, but he doesn't have the same ability to basically dot corners that he did. And that made everything play up. The easiest way to suppress exit velocity is put the pitch on the corner. <laughs> yeah. Cause they can't do anything with it. Right. You can't do anything with it. And you're just like less likely to have it on the barrel of your bat. Like, it's not in the place that your swing is designed to hit. And so he's, like, I don't, would you have preferred Kyle Hendricks to still have his command and be bad or not have it be bad? I'm not sure. I, yeah, I don't know. And I think the frustrating thing about Hendricks right now is there is no rhyme or reason to his successful starts. He's not feasting on bad teams. No. Uh, you know, he's not uh, great at home, rough on the road. And I think it goes back to what you're hint- what you're uh, outlining with the command is that when your command is on, you can beat any team. You are matchup proof. But when your command is off, the Pirates are going to run you up for seven because right. it's still a major league team. And yeah. that's where we're at with Kyle Hendricks. Team and and you're that's what makes it tough. Like, you're, yeah. it work if you can't 
put them where they can't hit them. And he's exactly. And so the middle reliever thing was not an idle comparison. Just think of Kyle Hendricks now as a middle reliever through a startup starter innings. He doesn't have great stuff and he doesn't any longer have this like elite command. What I would do if I were like considering streaming Hendricks is wait for him to like start hitting corners again and mm-hmm. you'll be able to see it. Like you can just search for his like edge rate or his shadow zone rate or whatever on baseball savant. And right now he's what you're talking about. He's all over the place. He has a game where he's good. He has a game where he's bad. And it seems like someone who can't locate like pristinely well. Like I said, Hunter, Hunter Green's command without the stuff. Right. And when that's when Kyle Hendricks is consistently above average in location, then I feel good about playing him. Like it just works. And you're going to be like, why does this work? Like sometimes he throws it in the right place and they just crush it. And you're like, well, of course they crushed it. He threw an 86 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> but on, on average, it works because the location just matters so much. The average mm-hmm. pitcher is Jacob DeGrom. He's a below average stuff pitcher, but he's still, if you're locating it there, you can't hit it. And so if he can start to do that again, then I start feeling better. But right now I'd say he can't, he has to prove it to me. I... I went looking for him to still have the pristine location that's driving his, basically like he has to rely on contact quality, but he does a good job suppressing it. Now he's doing a less good job suppressing it because he doesn't locate as well. And he's walking more people because he doesn't locate as well. Yeah. I I think I'm just off him until the command comes back. And And I think I got to see it for a couple, two, three starts in a row. One start is not it. spike a big one, but it just won't have it the next game. So anybody can spike control for a start. Exactly. Like literally anybody. If you're a major leaguer, you can have a great start. That's why you have to be careful. You know, whenever somebody has a good start, you're like, okay, I like that. The tough part too is in today's fantasy age, though, the second somebody has a good start, people are picking them up, yeah. even without the confirmation of how good it's going to be because you just got to take that chance. So yeah. um, with Kyle Hendricks, I'm with you. Do not pick him up after the one good. Make sure it's two, three before you get in. And if someone beats you to the punch, you you, yeah. you, you wear it. Like it's it's not that it's not that devastating. I I hope he gets back because he was so fun to watch. He was so anomalous to this era with yeah. all the uh, overpowering stuff and the devastating swing and striking swing and strike rate stuff. Um, I liked watching him succeed. So I hope he refines it. I wouldn't be surprised if he did though, because I do think that he's kind of guy that is going to keep working at it, figure out that command, and figure out how to survive with lesser yeah. stuff. So that's the first Ben Clemens investigates. Great, great stuff there, Ben. I really appreciate you being on. Again, Ben Clemens is on Twitter at underscore Ben underscore Clemens. And are you still doing any um, Twitch stuff with Fangraphs? Are we doing Twitch stuff this year? I've not we seen it. haven't yet. Page. I think we're going to be starting it up soon. Okay, great, great. Um, well, then you, the month. Fangraphs Live is usually on the front page when you're on. But once that gets going, people can find out yeah. on Twitter from you. And you'll be on my Twitch stream soon. We will, we will coordinate that offline. But, Ben, I'd love to have you on again. Obviously, we'll be doing the BCIs, but I'd love to have you on as a guest uh, sometime in the summer if you'd like to. Yeah, man, this is really fun. Excellent. Thanks. <laughs>